Hey folks, attorney Andrew Branke here from Law of Self-Defense with a short show for you today while I'm attending the Carry Trainer S12 tactical training event out in the Nashville, Tennessee area for a few days where I'm also instructing. In fact, I'll be lecturing tonight at S12 on the Law of Self-Defense. But And unfortunately, the internet uh, is very, very poor here, so I can't do a live stream and I can't do a very long show either and then upload it. It'll take forever. So this will be kind of brief, but I did want to catch up on show content for the law of self-defense community. And what I'd like to touch on here is the question of how much training do you really need for lawful self-defense? And I say this, attending and teaching at a world-class training event, S12. So I recently came across a video. I believe I saw it on X, on Twitter, of a violent interaction between a uniformed police officer making a traffic stop and the driver of the stopped vehicle. And the encounter went very poorly for the officer. And I'm going to share that video with all of you in today's show. Particularly noteworthy was the remarkably high level of gun handling and aggression on the part of the stopped driver who aggressively engaged the officer with gunfire and even pursued the officer while continuing to fire. Now, I lost track of the original source of the story. I actually don't know where this occurred or what the final outcome was for the officer. I thought I'd heard he was alive, but in the hospital. But for purposes of today's show, the the outcome and the precise location don't really matter. Because the important question today is, how much training a normal law-abiding citizen needs if they are to be prepared to lawfully defend themselves, their family, and their property from violent criminal predation? And that's the question we'll address in today's Law of Self-Defense show. So let me go ahead and start the formal launch of today's show. I jump into all of that. I do need to mention to the sponsor of today's show, which is none other than Law of Self-Defense itself, our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense Principles. We'd like to make that book available to you for free. So check out the book on Amazon, five-star rated, very popular book, a bestseller in its category on Amazon. But don't buy the book on Amazon. They'll charge you for the book and shipping and handling. We'll give you the book for free. We only ask that you cover the cost of shipping the book to you. You can get your free copy of The Law of Self-Defense Principles, a real physical book, folks, not just some PDF download. You can get that at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book, lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. So I'm at this S12 training event put on by Carrie Trainer at carrytrainer.com. Mickey Shooks is the proprietor. Um, this is a great training event, four days long. I, I attended and taught here last year, and I'm back again this year as a sponsor of the event. And so this is my second time at S12. And by the way, it's a world-class. It's, it is the most dynamic, highest production, multi-day self-defense, mostly gun training event uh, that I've ever attended. So you should take a serious look at it for next year. S12 by carrytrainer.com. And I've attended, besides this, I've attended dozens of high-level, generally day sense gun training events. 
uh, especially when I was an adjunct instructor at the Sig Sauer Academy up in New Hampshire, which I was for some 15 years. Um, they, they'd essentially let me take any training there that they offered. So I took advantage of that opportunity. I've taken tons of tons of training there. Also, I've had knife training. And of course, today, even today, I train roughly five hours a week in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That said, so as someone with that training background, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a self-defense instructor myself. So I've been an NRA certified instructor in pistol, rifle, and personal protection for some 30 years. All of that said, it's a simple fact that almost everyone who successfully defends themselves with a gun has little or no tactical training of any kind. Indeed, we're lucky if they have safety training. And despite that lack of training, they do, in fact, successfully defend themselves with a gun. Very common are scenarios in which the mere display of the gun by the law-abiding victim is sufficient to cool the interest of the criminal aggressor. The aggressor realizes they brought a fist to a gunfight and they flee the confrontation, which is as solid a victory for the defender as if the defender had shot and killed the criminal aggressor. In fact, I would argue it's more of a win than if the defender had been compelled to shoot and kill the criminal aggressor. And the fact that these kinds of defensive gun use outcomes by completely untrained people are common, that the, the untrained defender wins the confrontation simply because they had a gun at hand, tells us that tactical training is not necessary to effectively defend ourselves with a gun in many common self-defense scenarios. In fact, I would never accept any kind of mandated training requirement as a condition of the exercise of Second Amendment rights by law-abiding, mentally sound American citizens. I would consider that a prima facie infringement of the Second Amendment right. And again, I say all this as someone who's been a self-defense gun instructor myself for 30 years or more. All of that is not, however, me saying that training is not important and not valuable. It's both of those things. And higher levels of training can potentially mean the difference between death and survival in that physical fight. First, you might run into a criminal predator who's not readily deterred by the mere sight of a gun. Many lifelong criminals simply aren't afraid of your gun. Indeed, many career criminal predators have actually been shot before, actually shot, and yet they're still here engaged in criminal predation. So those guys are not all that much scared of you even actually shooting them. Further, that same criminal might themselves have a reasonably high degree of skill with a firearm. Now, this is not common among criminals. If criminals, you know, were conscientious about things like this, they probably wouldn't be criminals. They'd probably be productively employed. But there's nothing about being a criminal that just prevents that criminal from acquiring expertise with a firearm if they are simply willing to do the same work that would be required of a law-abiding person to acquire expertise with a firearm. So with that said, let me now show you the video of the traffic stop that I was just talking about earlier. So this traffic stop, it starts on uh, the video footage is the dash camera of the officer's car. You can see the suspect car there, the officers on the passenger side of the vehicle. 
Um, and it starts here, and then the video transitions over to a different camera. It looks like a, a ring camera or surveillance camera on an adjacent building. And what we'll see here is the driver get out of the car, um, gun in hand, and fire a fusillade of rounds at the police officer who flees from the gunfire. And then we'll see the driver aggressively pursuing the officer as he flees, firing shots the entire way. Uh, one thing I do want to point out here is uh, notice the officer here on the passenger side of the car. He's maybe half a head taller than the roof of the car. When we see the driver of the car get out, he, he might be head and shoulders. He's much, much taller than the roof of the car. Um, of course, I can't know if this played a role in the criminal's decision to engage in this level of aggressive hostility towards the officer, uh, but certainly it can't help that calculation in the mind of the criminal predator if the criminal predator is much physically larger and stronger than the officer he's decided to have a confrontation with. So, We'll see the officer here in the passenger side, and we'll see the bad guy get out of the car on the driver's side and engage the officer with a bunch of gunfire. Here we go. Uh, I don't know if there's audio. I don't believe there's audio here, but we'll see. There's a driver. Look how much taller he is. Gun in hand. Pop. Pop, 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 pop. Look at all that brass. It's raining brass, and he pursues the cop. So there's the cop running across with a light on his, on his gun, probably. And it's hard to see, but the bad guy's pursuing. I'll rewind this a little bit so you can see it. That's the end of the formal video, but this is worth rewinding, I think. So we get to this part. First of all, we have this rain. Look at all the brass here. Look at that. Those are like 0.2 second splits, maybe faster. <clears throat> and the bad guy has two hands on the gun. And he has the gun raised up to his line of sight. So presumably he's either using the sights or doing an effective point shooting technique where he's at least placing the, the rear of the slide of, over the officer that he's attempting to shoot. And he's shooting a lot. Now, the officer runs away. Could the bad guy just get back in his car and, and drive away here? Sure. But he doesn't do that. He does not do that. Uh, instead, he aggressively pursues the officer. So we cut over now to the second camera. And at the top of the screen, you can see the officer. You can see his flashlight on the ground there, presumably right in the middle of the screen, the upper middle of the screen. Presumably he's running with his weapons mounted light in his hand, or maybe it's a flashlight in his hand. I don't know. Runs behind that pickup truck, continues to the left, runs to the corner of the building. He's pointing the flashlight back. Maybe he's firing back if it's a weapon mounted light, firing back at his pursuer. Where is the pursuer? The pursuer is right there at the top of the screen by the by running past the, uh, that must be the police car there with the flashing lights on top. He's hard to see. Now he's between the police car and that parked pickup truck. Now he's behind the pickup truck, but he's not stopping there. Now he's to the left of the pickup truck right behind the cop. And now you can see the bad guy as a little blurry spot there in the upper left, just to the right of that white railing. And the cop is just to the left of the white railing. Bad guy's still pursuing. 
And if you're a law self-defense member, I'll put the, uh, I'll embed the original of this video um, in the blog post version of the post. So you can access that if you wish. So there are bad guys out there in the world like this common, but they exist. The defender who has little or no tactical training may frequently, does frequently fare reasonably well when dealing with a common criminal predator who also has little or no tactical training or expertise. But that untrained defender will do far less well when faced with a skilled predator. I mean, presumably, this police officer was reasonably highly trained in tactical use of a gun. He was completely outmatched by this predator. Second, I want to point out that more defensive training and experience handling and firing guns, so not only does it provide you with better skills, gun handling skills, which obviously can help you win the fight, um, but it also allows the defender to make better informed, more rational, more decisive tactical decisions in the crisis of the moment when they find themselves confronted with a criminal predator. Because of the training and experience, the gun handling skills, getting the gun out of the holster, getting the gun aligned on a target, getting the sights aligned, getting a good trigger press, doing that as many times as necessary, all that physical gun handling it's become hardwired and subconsciously competent as a result of tactical training and experience. And that frees up mental bandwidth from those mechanical tasks to instead be focused on tactical decision-making in the moment. It allows the degree of fear and anxiety to be better managed and for better overall decisions to be made. And this not only facilitates these better decisions, facilitates the ability of the defender to be more decisive in self-defense and therefore harder to kill in the physical fight, these better decisions also help ensure that those decisions are more likely to be legally sound rather than just panicked. And that makes the defender harder to convict as well. So the bottom line to me is that the first step is this. First step, have a gun. A gun is very rarely the answer to whatever the problem is. But when it is the answer, it's generally the only answer. So have a gun. And I would suggest know how to not shoot yourself with the gun. And this is a very low threshold, folks. This is mostly basic level gun safety that can be taught in maybe an hour. The four rules of gun safety. Every gun is always loaded. You treat it as such. Never touch the trigger unless you want the gun to make a loud noise. Uh, never point the muzzle at anything you're not willing to kill or destroy. Know your target and what is beyond your target. It's not rocket science. That alone, just having the gun and knowing enough to not shoot yourself will allow you to adequately, maybe not decisively, but adequately defend yourself in the most common and least complicated self-defense scenarios. So step one, have a gun, don't shoot yourself. After that, step two through step infinity, 
get all the training that your personal circumstances allow for. More training isn't required and often isn't necessary, but it is valuable and it could be life-saving. And I don't mean just training in physical self-defense either, like defending yourself with a gun or, or a knife or martial arts. I also mean things like training in emergency trauma care, like how to use a tourniquet, how to put on a chest seal. And of course, I mean training in the context of the law of self-defense itself, which you might facilitate doing by becoming a law of self-defense member and getting all the benefits of law self-defense membership, including access to members-only content, including access to transcripts of every show that document your training and expertise so that it would be admissible in court, uh, including your ability to get your questions and comments answered for free during any of our live streams. And it's dirt cheap to be a law self-defense member, folks. Uh, you can the, do it for just 99 cents for a two-week trial at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. Have instant access to our hundreds of uh, blog post videos, uh, podcasts, uh, written blog posts, transcripts, unlimited access to all of that, just as if you were a full-paying member for that two-week trial. You can take advantage of that for 99 cents, folks, at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. And if you stay a member after the two-week trial, it's still dirt cheap. It's only about 30 cents a day, less than $10 a month to be a Law of Self-Defense member. So at least I urge trial at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. All right. So I think that's all I have for all of you today. Again, I can't make the show very long because of the internet here. The training event S12 is fantastic. The facilities are amazing, as you can probably tell by the background. This is where I'm staying, folks. It's a, it's a really nice place. Um, it's in the woods outside of uh, Nashville, Rolling Hills. Gorgeous, gorgeous terrain. Um, the food is great. They, they have uh, professional chefs here cooking uh, for us. So it's just a fantastic event. But but the internet the internet is weak here. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, what I wouldn't want is I'm always averse to making people think that they, they have no business owning a gun unless they've had a ton of training, police officer level training, which is those of you who know, no, that's not very much really. Um, because I think the most important thing they can do for themselves to defend themselves, their family, their property from criminal predation is to have the gun. Have the gun, know not how to not shoot yourself. That doesn't mean I'm anti-training, folks. I'm pro-training. I just I, I don't think it's necessary for law-abiding, mentally sound Americans to wait until they have a high level of training before they have the single most capable means of defending themselves against criminal violence. So step one, get the gun, know how not to shoot yourself or your family. Then do step two through infinity and get all the self-defense training that your circumstances, your interests, your budget allow for. Pro-training message, ultimately, folks. All right, that's all, all I have for all of you today, except, of course, to remind all of you that if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun so I'm hard to kill. It's why I carry a knife. It's why I carry pepper spray. It's why I study jujitsu. If you do those types of things so you're hard to kill, so your family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to also know the law so you're hard to convict as well. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branca for Law Self-Defense. Stay safe. 